He kōnā e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Te kapa o Ngāti Tarawhai in the waiata about Henemihi, composed by Uenuku Fearhall. Henemihi Te Autawhito was an ancestral meeting house commissioned by Aporo Te Kanifa during the height of tourism at Te Wairua in the 1870s. You could trace the growth of tourism in New Zealand from that time and from Te Wairua. And so because of the extreme amounts of money that Ngāti Henemihi and Te Wairua were earning, Aporo decided to erect a whareneri, both for traditional reasons, you know, tangihanga and hui, and also as a concert venue at night. Rangitihi Pene. During the Tarawera eruption of 1886, 53 people sought shelter inside Henemihi and survived. In 1892, the whare was dismantled. 23 carvings were shipped to Clandon Park in Guildford, England, where it resides today. We were with Māori Ora, we were going across cause to Harangi, we were going to do another tono. I always believed that Ngā Kohinga Whakairo Hinemihi's job was to just raise consciousness, support a lift in understanding uh, our cultural ways of being, thinking. Um, to give them a better chance of understanding why for so long our people have sort of wanted her to be back in Aotearoa. People fully clad in overalls, <laughs> head to toe, with little toothbrush kind of soft brushes, um, special water to clean the moss and stuff off the off the fakairo and stuff like that. It struck me that um, the fuddy was being really, really well looked after. In part two of the series about Henemihi Te Autawhito, the ancestral house often referred to as a kuia, a tūpuna or ancestor, we look at how people connect to her today and as the call for her return grows, what this means for her people living here and abroad. Enga mana engareo, no mai anō ki tēnei kaupapa kōrero ātiahika, ko Justin Maria Ho, this is RNZ National. To help illustrate the story, Jim Schuster, who we heard in episode one of the series, has been at the heart of Henemihi. He is the great-great-grandson of renowned Ngāti Tarawhai Kava, Tene Waitere. 
But let's head back to 1892 when the then Governor-General, Earl of Onslow, William Hillier, first acquired Hinemihi. It went away really as a consignment of 23 carvings. didn't take the whole house. The rest of it just fell down up there. But So the, the carvings, 23 carvings that went, yeah, Onslow shipped them over there and they were at, in, erected in his park, in his Clandon Park where his home was. Jim has travelled to England several times over the years. In 1993, he and his whānau enjoyed a six-week holiday throughout Europe. Now, one of their last stops was in England. His mum, Emily Schuster, asked Jim to visit Henemihi and Clandon Park and take measurements of the house. So that's what he did. And so when we got to Clandon Park, Alan sort of said, he said, you go through that gate and you look across the lawn, you'll see your... He took us to the edge of the field and he said, there's your house over there. And we, we just couldn't stop the tears rolling down our faces because it's just to see this little whare a long, long way from home. But it was like she was crying too because we were people from home. We were her descendants coming to Afi, her, coming to see her. Two years later, in 1995, Jim travelled back to England and underwent some repair work. You, did you pull the other ones down or just add to the whare? We took some off that needed a good clean. Yep. But we stripped a lot of them down because they hadn't had... Paint was peeling. We painted, cleaned them up. I mean, I wasn't doing my current work then. I was still a school principal right. teacher. But <laughs> uh, we'd, I'd travelled around... Uh, my wife's first cousin is Dean Whiting, who works for Heritage New... Well, then it was the New Zealand Historic Places Trust, and he did this sort of work. And I'd go along sometimes in the school holidays and give him a hand, help nice. restoring carvings. So had a fair idea what we needed to do to clean all the moss and everything mm. else off and repaint the tamukos on the on the whakairo, and we did that, straightened up all these other pieces, installed a new whakairo that had been carved here and shipped across for us. And, and then we had this sort of opening. Uh, another crew from Tuharangi at Tepuke came up. were over in England at the same time. We did a dawn service, dawn morning, and Ngāti Rānana came down, and they bought, at that time, the, he was the current Earl of Onslow who was a great-great-grandson of the one who took the house away. He was still around, and so he came. He came in that early morning to the, the service we had. So we had this big rededication, went and had a big breakfast in <laughs> Clandon House, and then Ngāti Rānana did a bit of entertaining out in front of the, the whare. Yeah, it was, was quite good. And so if we come to, I suppose, the last maybe five years, the story of Hinemihi Te Tafito is, it seems like there's a few moving parts, Te Maru or Hinemihi in England, then there's, of course, the whānau to Haurangi. Um, what's the relationship like in terms of kaitiakitanga? Probably need to backtrack a bit. Yeah. The, one of the biggest, I mean, we were always, and, and my mum had always said, we've got to help those people look after Hinemihi. We got a, well, they've got a whare there, they don't know how to look after a whare, so whenever we can, we go across and we help them look after it. So that's what we did 
1995. She died in 1997. And so we had to, well, we talked about it as a family. We need to keep in touch with them. And so if things needed doing, I mean, we've been, I've been back there nearly seven times now. Wow. <laughs> Just at, 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 for different things. Um, I helped contribute to another book uh, and the archaeology students, archaeology and conservation students at University College of London were going down every year around June the 10th, the anniversary of the eruption, and giving Hinamihi a clean. Because where, where she stands over there, it's quite cold. It's, it's in snow. I saw a pitch. It's in snow. That's snow. Snow in front of it there. Well, that's good, eh? So archaeology students. Archaeology students were going down every year around that time, June the 10th, because Ngāti Rana had a big hāngi there. So they'd do the clean-up, spruce it up before the hāngi day, and then people would come. They had 300-odd people there every now and again. It was being used, and and we'd said to them, you know, utilise the place. She... She's moke moke when why she's alone. That word came to my mind. Yeah. he needs people around her. She'll come alive and and she enjoys having the company of Maori. So they they started to go down there and utilise the place to but the game changer was when the fire happened in Clandon House. Now, in April of 2015, a fire caused major damage at Clandon House. Jim recalls a story he heard about a groundskeeper standing near Hinemihi with a water hose over the roof in case sparks flew. Today, the house is closed with a repair bill estimated at £115 million. The National Trust acquired the Palladian Mansion in the 1950s. Now, since the fire, according to Jim Schuster, talks with the National Trust about the return of the carvings have stalled. We were with Māori Ora, we were going across because to Harangi, we're going to do another tono. Uh, can she come home now? <laughs> you mean, when you say another tono, is that what was. Every time you'd go there, was that kind of like the every base? everybody every time a group went there, they were always, can she come home now? And who were you asking? Well, the people who were the, just the caretakers, the managers of the park, and they don't really. You need to go back then. You needed to talk to the national trust, who is the they are the caretakers of all the national monuments around England, all gifted by different things, uh, different families. And over the years, Jim has committed some of his time in helping the whānau of Ngāti Rānana to care for Hinemihi. Got to the point where if we can't get it back, we've got to help them look after it over there and, and, you know, and, and try and get her to be of more use to the Māori who are based in England up until the fire. It just had a floor, dirt floor. Still, so you you couldn't really stay in there. No, no electric power. Mm. Uh, there was no facilities really. And so every time Ngāti Rānana had their hangi there, they had to pack up every at the end of the day and, and go. train all the way back to London. A couple of guys and and I think Dean Sully and his students stayed there one night, but it was quite cold. <laughs> and, and on, it would be. <laughs> but I mean, Anthony's plan was to install a floor and electricity we were going to create on the back of it a little a, you know a kitchenette sort of thing so they could cook kai there kai. 
and maybe have you know gazebos off the side at the back somewhere but but so it could be slept in could be used like a funny back here yep. and we were getting that close when the fire happened yep. the fire was the game changer really because it meant it closed Clanton Park Kia ora, tēnā koe, Jim Shuster. Manaakitanga is the expression of looking after each other. Now for Jim, it was about working with whānau in England to let them know how they can care for Hanemahi by simply making use of the whare. Now for the group Nā Kohinga Whakaero or Hinemihi, ultimately their role is to work with stakeholders to organise an exchange of carvings. Now Hinemihi is currently in storage. Before that can or when it eventuates, Ruekiri Fihol, Rangitihi Pene and Colin Tihi are involved in virtual wānanga. Colin Tihi explains the connection to Hinemihi. Our whare tūpuna is the ancestors inside Hinemihi also indicate that our, our connection to our Tarawhai line as well, as well as the carving team that was led by Wero Tarui. He had other people in his team, including Kate and Waiawa, Inia, Hohaia, Tene Waitere. Wero Taroi was the Tohunga of Whakaro, well known exponent in the art of Whakaro. Obviously, Tarawhai had that reputation of maintaining the uh, Matauranga and portraying it to uh, the carvings, and so they were doing whare after whare pretty much. In concurrent with the Hinamihi, Wero was you know, doing other projects as well. Mm. A very busy man, and not only busy here in Te Arua, but right throughout the Motu. Ruakiri Fairhall breaks down the kaupapa, or the purpose, of Nga Kohinga Whakaero o Hinamihi. Um, Aoropu was established in 2018, and that was because we sort of felt that the conversations internationally and across both countries um, of course, stalled and it wasn't really moving. And so we decided to to support the kaupapa of an exchange of carvings further. And so we were able to meet as a committee and with multiple stakeholders and possible partners across um, our area uh, to put emphasis on the carving exchange. And ever since we've come into these conversations with National Trust and Te Maru and everybody else, we've now found ourselves in a situation where um, our project um, and the mahi that we're doing together has uh, has now evolved. And I always believe that Ngā Kohinga Whakaero Hinemihi's job was to just raise consciousness, um, support a lift in understanding uh, our cultural ways of being, thinking, um, to give them a better chance of understanding why for so long our people have sort of wanted her to be back in Aotearoa. Mm. And, I mean, we owe our lives to that queer um, without her. She was one of two houses that um, housed survivors of that night of the eruption. So, mai kore ake, hinemihi kwa kore, tenui o tuhaurangi o ngāti hinemihi. So, um, we do owe our lives to that queer, and so with that whakaro um, and with our whakapapa connections to her, that our mahi is to ensure that we protect the mana of, of hinemihi, our queer, um, and our iwi as well and that we make sure that we go into our conversations or our hui with all these stakeholders internationally and nationally under the Fakaro, o Te Rangimarie, under Wairua Tau and under Te Mahingatahi, really, 
Um, so I guess that's our role here is to ensure that we maintain the mana of our kuia and that we have the opportunity to speak and listen to our people uh, and find a way to voice um, the here here or the desires or aspirations of our people um, through the mahi that we do. Right now, um, we're currently going through a series of familiarisation sessions, which we're calling wānanga. Um, and we've conducted these wānanga with multiple people uh, in groups, predominantly Ngāti Rānana, Te Maru, uh, Ministry of Culture and Heritage, and of course the National Trust. And we've approached our wānanga in a thematic approach uh, to ensure that we have a chance to lead kōrero uh, and present particular kōrero to a range of people that are new to the space of Hinemihi, that may have been working with Hinemihi over all this time, but may have missed a lot of the cultural kōrero. So we focused our, our, our sessions on ensuring that they understood how Māori arrived into Aotearoa and what Hinemihi's genealogical connections or history was, uh, then moving into um, understanding a whare uh, versus a tupuna whare and understanding ngā whakaaro Māori kei roto i, te, I, I ngā whare pērā um, and then we also move to discuss um, the future aspirations of, from Angata Hinamahi's perspective, for the people in the United Kingdom. And we've just had a few more wālanga since then, and Ngā Te Mario Hinemihi actually just finished presenting their kōrero to us around uh, Hinemihi and her connections in the United Kingdom. There is the political aspect with National Trust and the fire that kind of halted everything five years ago. Then there's the likes of yourselves and the whānau, and then the hapu and iwi. And and when you say familiarisations... Um, is that is it to create an understanding of who does what or, or who who's responsible for what or is it more about just knowledge sharing? Um, it is knowledge sharing at this stage because you need to understand other people's thinking first before you yeah. progress um, anywhere. And so our concentration has been on understanding Hinemihi and the connections she has across the world. Um, and then at this stage, of course, we're also moving towards what you've just mentioned, understanding how we go about um, a successful carving exchange uh, project. Um, so we're in the midst of working with um, them, uh, but we're starting to build that understanding of what the future now looks like uh, for us as a cohort, as a collection of stakeholders, and finding a way forward to ensure that every a person or group that's involved in this kaupapa has a chance to speak their truth and find a way forward together under kotahitanga, whatever that may look like. Yeah, because I talked to, I interviewed Dr Anthony Hoite, former chief of Te Maru Hinemihi, and he was saying that you know, uh, there, there could be a, a new Hinemihi, a new, a new whare, and um, because the diaspora of Māori in London is that they feel that connection to Hinemihi as well. And at, the, at the current point in time, though, the carvings are actually in storage at Cole House? Noel House. So, sorry, Noel House. Noel is a conservatory, so the, the house is... We've got a part of it, the old barn, which has been modernised, and at the bottom is a beautiful conservatory. But yeah. she's moving. She is moving. She's moving. So as part of our, uh, of our wānanga sessions with our Te Maru National Trust, a lot of what we've been advising them over the last few months is actually a lot of tikanga and kawa. So as Ankurangitihi mentioned, she's about to move to the southern part of England and to another storage facility, and that's because um, the Knoll House will be going through some renovations and restorations uh, for that area. It's magnificent space.
beautiful space where they really practice a lot of their conservation and restoration capabilities. It's a beautiful place. So um, she'll be heading down to the south of England uh, in September. Uh, and so we'll be, we will be supporting them virtually um, to conduct, of course, the tikanga-related yes. uh, mahi. So they're really good in coming back to us and asking us for advice. What should we do? What is the most appropriate way? And through our wānanga and our familiarisation sessions, they're starting to understand that actually she may be a collection of carvings at the moment. Yeah but those carvings represent a particular person and a particular ancestor. And so we're really surprised to see the the amount of aroha and just carefully treading around her and just making sure that they you know, respect her and that whakaaro of her being a person rather than just a whare. We, we've managed to work um, in a way where, although we're here in New Zealand, they're over there, yeah. we're still together and we're still connected in any mahi that goes on with enemy. And there's a pandemic, <laughs> you know. Has that in, at, at all affected your mahi? Yes. <laughs> twice, twice we've... You can't uh, book a trip to, to London. Yeah, twice we've pulled out of trips to right. London because of that. And, that, and they've been on, what do they call it, furlough? Yeah. For over a year, they've been working from their homes, haven't been going into work. Right. It's affected the National Trust financially. I think they were yep. facing a £20 million operating deficit last year, you know. But, but Rokiri had already always timed out a five-year plan, and the date we're hammering is 2025. Right. She comes so, you know, that's, that's the date we're putting in front of them, keeping it in front of them the whole time. Twenty of, of of her return. That's right. Of her well, it's a of, double a of the building of a fare for for them. Yes, and her return. And once then, that's done, once that's completed. Kia ora, nā kohinga whakaero o Henemihi, Colin Tihi, Ruakiri Fihol and Rangitihi Pene. Now they'll feature on upcoming episodes in this series. In part one of this series, we brought you interviews about stories of connection to Hinemihi. For Alan Gallup, for example, a former journalist who resides in Ashford, Surrey in England, he wrote the book The House with the Golden Eyes after being inspired about Hinemihi's story back in 1986. For Dr. Kiri Ann Wikitera, it was a trip to Wales to trace the whakapapa of her father that led her to Clandon Park. But not only that, she has whakapapa to tu haurangi e Ngāti Whakaui. She is a senior lecturer at the School of Hospitality and Tourism at Auckland University of Technology. The name of her doctoral thesis is called Māori Spaces in Foreign Places. He nemihi te ao I met up with Dr Kiri Ann at Whakarewarewa. Uh, so my um, tūpana were from Tarawera and they were a big part of the tourism um, development up at Te Wairoa, um, where Hinamahi was built. My koro hori taiafio was the um, lead rower that was taking the initial um, British tourists mainly across to the pink and white terraces. Wow. Um, and yeah, there's a whole lot of stories about hori. Um, because it was his house with his second wahine um, guide, Sophia, uh, that sheltered um, people um, when the eruption happened on June 10th, 1886. 
Uh, so there were three whare that were um, sheltering people, the Maika whare, um, Maikarawa's whare, um, Hori's whare and Hanamahi. So those three houses are really central to us even existing here in um, Whakariwariwa because, you know, um, the whanau moved from there after the eruption to... I didn't really know that story and I didn't really know a lot about Hanamahi uh, and my father, who's a Welshman, he, he grew up in south-west England and western Supermere, um, which is really close to Wales. He uh, travelled to New Zealand in 1951-ish and never returned. He was so disconnected from his whenua there and we, uh, Māori, couldn't kind of fathom that. Mm. After he passed away, myself, my sister Nari and big sister Trisha um, decided we were going to retrace our father's footsteps and connect to his Tūranga Waiwai or his whenua in Wales. So we travelled across there and spent three weeks touring around. We um, went to where our grandparents lived in England, uh, Western Supermere. We went and visited some Urupa where our British tūpuna um, lay. We tried to visit the... Uh, whānau that still lived in Wales um, to no avail and didn't feel really connected um, to the place which was fine until we travelled up to Oxfordshire and um, visited our queer uh, Makariti Makariti's grave Mm. so we went up there we did that and he'd also mentioned you know go go down to Clandon and visit Hanamahi so we did that on the final day that we were in in Britain and the estate was closed for a famous footballers wedding uh, wedding. (laughs) and um, so it was closed and we were really upset because we thought we were not going to be able to pay to go into this national trust um, destination. My sister on the way down there had been talking about what we were going to do when we arrived and she said that we, we were going to have a silent pōhiri and me and my other sister mocked her and said, oh, don't be ridiculous. Um, but as we rounded the corner of the mansion and saw Hanamahi standing there, um, straight away we went into pōhiri mode and... Um, and had a silent pōhiri and was just howling as we walked in there because she opened her arms to us and I could feel the spirit of her mm. calling us in. And on that day was kind of the day that my research topic and um, my connection to Hanamahi really began. And it was really ironic that... Our connection to our father's tūranga waiwai and whenua came alive when we met our mother's Māori um, side. Mm. Um, So yeah, Hinamahi welcomed us on that day. We cried, we um, spent time with her, and at that time... 
we didn't feel like she was there lonely. We felt she was there to serve the purpose of connecting us and making sure that we were okay. Tēnā koe, Dr. Kiri Ann Wikitera. She'll feature in upcoming episodes of the series. Hamish Coney is an Auckland-based writer and an arts advisor. For 12 years, he was the managing director of the Auction House Art and Object, which he founded in 2007. He also wrote the book Hinemihi Te Hokinga, The Return. One of the things that the Hinemihi book attempts to do is to say that Hinemihi, that whare, is part of a body of work that was produced by Wero and Tene, and it's part of a career in the same way that a Michelangelo or a Colin McCann or a Rita Angus or a Lisa Rehana uh, has a career. And let's link uh, the wider body of work together uh, so that we can see Hinamihi in the context of, you know, a master artist, a master, you know, Tohonga Whakairo. So that's why in the book we look at Homotafati, we, we look at uh, Uenuku Mairaratonga, we look at Rangatihi, the earlier houses carved in particular by Wero. Um, Hinamihi was his final house. He died. Um, he passed away whilst the house was being carved and Tene completed that work. So there to me is a very poignant sense of the tradition being passed on from the master to his toira uh, in the form of Tene. And that's one of the many, many, what I think are quite grand and poignant moments that are associated with Hinamihi. I think in 2014, I was planning a trip to Europe with my wife and I thought, I really want to visit Hinamihi. And uh, I had become very interested in the Hinamihi story before that time, but I didn't know too much. But I had an experience on visiting Hinamihi there in the grounds of Clandon Hall, and I had an experience, I think, standing imua itefore right there before Hinamihi. You know, you have these kind of, you know, what is it, ihi wehe wana, you know, those that basket of feeling where sometimes those responses are quite conscious and then there are a whole lot of other things that it takes to time to process, but you, you know in the moment that it was quite uh, uh, an intense uh, sort of moment. And, you know, Hinamihi is a beautiful, beautiful uh, whare. Uh, and then when you start to know a little bit more about her history and why she was there, you know, it becomes extraordinary. So to cut a long story short, on my return to Aotearoa, uh, I managed to make contact with Jim Schuster. And there's a personal connection Hamish uncovered through his whānau whakapapa. Uh, my family had originally travelled to um, Okataina, Rotorua and Rotuiti in the 1890s. My great-great-grandfather was one of the architects of the Geyser Hotel and the Grand Hotels. Yeah down there in, in Rotorua and, and talking to Jim I'm pretty convinced that my great great grandfather and Tene worked together um, because Tene um, did quite a lot of carving for those original hotels so that really sparked my interest uh, on a personal family level 
more to the point where it really started to become something that was amazing for me personally was on meeting Jim and starting to get the understanding reading uh, Roger Nish's Carved Histories that Uanuku Tonga, which I believe is the oldest Whare on a marae in New Zealand I, I never want to say that definitively because I know there may well be some other Whare out there that I'm unaware of but Uanuku Tonga at uh, Tupuna Whakarea Marae on the shores of Lake Rotowiti is a, is in with, within walking distance of the old family batch that we've had um, since the 1920s on Lake Rotowiti. So I started to get the sense that I had a personal, I had a professional interest, if you like, a historical writer's interest on the mahi toy of Wero and Tene. And I became quite amazed when I realized how close to home it was for, for me and my family. And that really just motivated me to, to really start doing more research. Tēnā We'll hear from Hamish Coney again next week. Don't forget, if you'd like to find out more information about tonight's show or to listen back to episode one, head to rnz.co.nz slash tiahika. You can also take the show on the go. Head to wherever you access your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, and search for RNZ Tiahika. A big thanks to our resident engineer, Alex Harmer. Tēnei te mihi kia koe. Ko te tūmanako, kia pai tā koutou noho haumaru, Tina Tato Katua.